Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is November 9th, 2020. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, hear presentations, and interact with industry-leading artists on an equal playing field. This week, your hosts are me, myself, and I, Mark Cernosia, and yeah, we're going to just kind of get right into it. And, um, first of all, I want to say, fuck yeah, we got a new fucking president-elect, fuck yeah. And yes, everyone's clapping and cheering for, that I can see, so that's great. We're excited. I didn't realize this, but I feel like there's a weight off my shoulders. Like, ever since that shit was announced, I'm just like, oh, I can breathe. I kind of feel like there's hope. And I haven't felt that in, like, years. So it was, I didn't realize it was affecting me as much as it was. But I guess it was. So anyway, I digress. We'll keep moving forward. This week, I want to talk about something that has popped up in the MoGraph Slack recently. Beeple's been getting into it recently. And I'm trying to figure out what the fuck it's all about. It's called, it's crypto art. Okay, so essentially what this is, are artists selling digital artworks online using crypto and blockchain as, you know, I guess, quote unquote, records of your uh, digital asset. So one, one way to uh, think about this would be uh, I guess in Fortnite, you can buy skins or something like that. If Fortnite goes away, so does your skin. Or say like, to put it real like uh, tangibly, like, I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to roll with it. Uh, say Nike sells you Air Jordans. Nike goes out of business. Then your Air Jordans just disappear. It's kind of like how like these digital assets have been working. If you buy it on like this digital marketplace and that marketplace goes away, so does your asset. This, from what I understand, is trying to essentially create like an, uh, an ID for your digital asset that no matter what happens, that ID will always live on the blockchain and it will always be, um, you know, given, uh, you know, records will show that you're the creator or the owner uh, or whatnot. So there's quite a few different marketplaces out there. Um, there's something called Rarible. There's something called Super Rare. There's Maker's Place. Um, and I'm just kind of flabbergasted by this whole thing. Like, as an artist, I think it's great. It's another place for us to have an outlet to sell works. You know, maybe you have a whole freaking hard drive full of stuff that you're, you know, just post it and sell it. Who knows? The thing that I'm kind of hung up on is it's such an early adoption type thing right now that there's really no um, curation of any of the stuff. There's really no, um, there's not much education behind how, how to post and all that. And like, there's nothing stopping me from going and ripping a piece of, uh, art that you know tokyo megaplex made and posting it as my own and selling it as my own there's nothing stopping that so if you get on any of these marketplaces you'll see that people are buying these artworks for cryptocurrency for ethereum using ethereum to purchase the stuff 
there's stuff on these marketplaces from anywhere that's, you know, from a uh, fraction of a fraction of, of Ethereum, which would equate to say $10 uh, US. You have that and then you have people selling stuff for $20,000 that has been sold. Uh, a great example of this is Beeple just had a drop of exclusive artworks that he sold online through these marketplaces. And I think just after seeing some really rough numbers, just from what you can see, he made like over 100K in like five minutes. It's like, what the fuck? That's crazy, right? I think it's brilliant. That's amazing. If people want to go in and... Um, and buy these artworks uh, for a fee. You know, it's just like you're going into an art gallery or whatnot, but now this is a digital asset. I think it's great, but I'm a little weary of, dare I say, like how this might go. Like, there's nothing stopping you from making a shitty ass GIF and selling it to someone who has no idea what they're buying, but they're like, oh, an early adopter, this guy looks cool, this thing looks cool, whatever it is, and jumping right in. So like, you can, I guess another analogy here, just to set the scene, is these are digital assets. So again, they, you could, uh, you could make the um, comparison to like baseball cards, essentially. You could buy, you could post a piece of your art, someone could buy it, and then you could resell it and resell it and resell it. Or you could even create um, 10 certain pieces, you know, one of 10 or whatnot, and sell, you know, one of 10 of those. And then that piece that you originally sold then could go out and just be traded by all these other people. I mean, it's a combination of, say, like a collector's thing for, uh, you know, any sort of cards to it's like a hybrid of that and of an art gallery. Right. Like, sure, you could make you could buy the original, but you also could buy prints. Right. So, like, there's a lot of different ways. And I'm honestly, I'm so noob in this. I just started, like, getting a little bit deeper in it today, just researching it. And I'm super interested in like what may come of this. I mean, you see certain marketplaces with a ton of people on it already. Then you start seeing, I think it was, um, I don't know if it's rareable or super rare or whatnot, but like the Winklevoss twins just bought it from whoever started it, you know, like what? So now you start seeing like more money starting to like maybe work its way in. My biggest thing and my biggest like kind of what the fuck moment with all this is that there's absolutely no curation. There's nothing stopping me from ripping someone's fucking artwork and selling it as my own for a god a lot of money. Like, I guess I want to open up this discussion of like, yes, this is a great way for artists to make extra income, but I think we also can go down this black hole of like, no one knows what they're buying. No one knows who this original creator is. No one, you know, like, so like, how do we, how do we navigate this? You know, I think if we can, if we can navigate it correctly, it's going to be a great outlet for artists and digital artists, such as many of us that would like to create artwork, not just for commercial work, 
Um, but more for personal work and, and, you know, rather than posting it on Instagram for a bunch of likes that you don't own a bunch of likes that really is just playing into Instagram's algorithm or whatnot. This is a way for you to kind of share your artwork on your own. And it's, it's digitally stamped as your own as well. So I don't know. I just want to open up this discussion. I'm really interested to know what people think about this, if they've never heard of it, if they've been buying the stuff, if they've been selling the stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, please uh, just hop in if you want. Um, uh, I will say this too, before anyone is hopping in, this also, this has come up a couple times in the MoGraph Slack, but this kind of got um, rehashed today because Kid MoGraph had his artwork kind of ripped and sold by someone else and it sold for like eight grand. So like we're at this weird fucking crossroads and it's such an early thing that like there's no policing, right? So is this a good thing for us or is it gonna fucking ab you know, come around the backside and just like totally destroy value in anything because you know, if someone can slap together an animated GIF in three minutes, but someone's now taken three months of their life to handcraft this thing, it, you know, it's, it's an equal playing field. And I feel like a lot of the buyers don't really know the difference right now. And to me, I'm not going to spend eight grand on an animated GIF. So it just fucking loops on my computer screen. Like, I don't, I just don't get it right now, but, um, yeah, I'm just scrolling through the chat really quick and everyone's like, what the fuck? This, I'm so confused. This, what is this? This is wild. So um, I don't know, please hop in. I, I want this to be an open discussion because I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, All I right, think that's an awesome topic. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Hey, uh, I, my first time hopping in Monday meeting. But, Thanks for uh, joining, man. Yeah, that's really cool you're talking about this. I've been thinking about it a lot. And um, it was that podcast that I put in the chat right there that got me thinking about it. It's uh, Anthony, pa Anthony Papiano's podcast. He's a huge dude in the crypto world. And um, he just had these two twins that run Nifty Gateway, which is the site that people is listing his artwork on. And, um, you know, just hearing what, what Anthony Papiano has to say about it is, makes it seem super promising for the space. He's been saying that, you know, he's been he's just been talking about how um, just the rich people in general generally put like 30 percent of their assets in art because it's a good store of value. And he's seeing that as the future moving forward of people you know, being able to store their assets in art, but through NFTs because they're so, such easy, it's so, you know, digitally native, easy to transfer. And um, he's actually been buying art just for investment purposes, which is pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, the, those concerns you have, I think they're totally valid. I've seen some really crappy NFT sites out there that are full of those shitty gifts and stuff like that. Uh, but I think some of the good ones are rise to the top, like um, Nifty Gateway, which if you scroll up, I posted, that's, that's where people has his stuff. And I think what's what the good ones are doing is they're really curating the artists that they bring on so they know that they're not going to get 
shitty artists, people like ripping off other people's stuff. Yeah, I mean, for all of us that are uneducated in this space, and if you've been doing a little bit of research, do you want to kind of explain a little bit of what an NFT is? If you have the knowledge to do so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. It's, uh, it stands for non-fungible token. Um, I don't know exactly what fungible means. I think it just means like it's not like a monetary. It's not replaceable. Okay, not replaceable. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so um, basically when you release when you when you release your artwork with a non-fungible token on it, you can create a limited set. So you could do one, only one off, or you could do 60. And then um, basically it's verifiable on for if you if you buy one of those pieces, it's verifiable on the blockchain that you are the owner of that. And one of the interesting things about this is that, you know, in the art world, there like the, the issue of counterfeits is a huge thing. And that there's so much resources going into being able to verify, like you don't know if somebody, somebody bought a piece of art and then it sat in their house and they copied it and then sold more. You don't, you, you, you can't, you can't ever figure that out. Well, that's, <laughs> that's impossible with, with NFTs. Right. Um, if I could jump in real quick, yeah, Hi, guys, um, I'm Panther Monitor Brady. That's also my name. Um, but anyways, so for for what we're seeing with people ripping like Kid Graph, which uh, you know it really sucks to see this. And as a matter of fact, this one certain artist used multiple artists, um, different video clips, and put them in their art. Now, like anything that we see, like any kind of new technologies that come around in in as humans and as we grow as a society and a species, a lot of these things are happening so fast that it's very difficult to create regulations and you know how we do this. And we're seeing that in the government and we're seeing that here. But one thing that I think is a possibility and if we can utilize AI to kind of do like an image verification, like we as artists, maybe there's some kind of, um, you know, centralized website that does use an AI that can search through. So or maybe like as artists, we can upload our art to this database and then it searches through like super rare, rareable and everything to verify that those images are actually ours. And maybe right. this can be a way of governance to protect ourselves in the future. And I do see that as a possibility. But it's just not there yet. And I think what we're going to see with um, places like Rarible, Super Rare, un or Known Origin, and uh, NFT Gateway is a race to create this kind of certification verification. And this is going to establish those websites and those markets as the, you know, the dominant markets in the scene mm -hmm. where we can trust and we can use. And that's going to, I feel, really build them up. Um, so I do see a lot of potential in this way. But yeah, right now, now it's the wild west out there yeah i mean definitely there needs to be some sort of implementation of a reverse image search or or something you know that won't necessarily that wouldn't necessarily uh you know be able to search through like video but maybe there's ai you know like some things out there um to to do that but i mean you know obviously this like forgery and everything has been going on for so long through all the fine art world and everything. And honestly, if you can forge a Picasso and 
sell it or not sell it, but like convince many people that, all right, there's a fucking skill in that. This is a little <laughs> bit different than yeah. like right clicking, yeah. save as and repost. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So and- like, I think that's where that's like this huge kind of gap right now because sure forgery plagiarism all that it's always been a problem in anything but the fact that this can kind of you know right click save sell i mean if i were to download a fucking album from someone repost it and say hey this is my new album and that sells however many you know like oh you just can't necessarily do that now because you know so much stuff does go through that audio waveform filter and, and whatever but like you, you know, it's just so easy right now. And it, it makes me fearful for like people just totally taking advantage of the system, which Absolutely. I understand. And that's what happens in these early adoption phases and stuff like that. There's always going to be, I don't want to say it, but I'll say the bad apples. Right. But <laughs> it, it's just like one of those things where if this is how it's going to start out and people are ripping people off to make money, then it's really going to take the actual cause of how this thing could blow up into like essentially the new art world and really make it take steps back because it's just full of fucking plagiarized crap right well i really like the topic about you know creating some sort of digital imaging signing authentication system because it may be a little bit of a weird transition but i couldn't help but think about uh like Imagine when deeds for land didn't exist and you're walking up to a piece of land and you're just saying, okay, this is mine. Here's my deed. So it sounds like we're talking about a marketplace where legitimate buyers are interested in buying art, but it's digital art. So there's no uh, legitimate source. You're buying the real art. It's the, the, like, imagine if you can't smell the pixels on a piece of digital artwork and say, this is an oil painting. This is a counterfeit. You just bought the original artwork. It's legitimately the art that the artist created in its digital form, but you didn't buy it from the artist. So it's a counterfeit source, you know, like that, how do we, you know, like the, the balance of where that value is, but then the topic of copyright and all that, you're creating something that doesn't actually have an original tangible thing. It's, is the the PDF or the or the PSD the source file for the digital painter? Is that the the original oil painting that hangs on the artist's wall, or is it just a blockchain number? And that's kind of like what I meant about when deeds didn't exist, you just put a deed on it. The blockchain, you know, wasn't around when people started first making digital art, and you know, ripping has been a topic for years. But making that kind of money, it just seems like. Uh, Really, it's just taking advantage more of the the buyers, but the artist really lets lets go. And in uh, topics of media literacy today, for instance, like having some sort of digital uh, comb that went out and, you know, verified because like even deep fakes, you know, you need to be able to have the ability to look at something and train your eye almost to know the difference between what's real and what's not today. And that's yeah. going to grow. Uh, and just, you know, like you were saying, as technologies grow, so do the regulations or the absence of regulations because they can't keep up. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's such a dangerous world that we're about to be like. It, it's crazy how much this world changed and hit everybody upside the head by surprise, really. But everybody knows that the world can change like that. And the technology growth, it's just insane to me to think about 
how virtual reality gaming render engines and all of these little dots connecting and even the cryptocurrency and what's happening in world politics and all of it you know the weird little combination is like did steven spielberg really just like call it is ready player one around the corner i don't know <laughs> it really is it really yeah. is honestly honestly oh, my oh, sorry go ahead honestly go ahead. like my feeling about it is like, in theory, it's all really beautiful. So, uh, you know, like artists can sell their art directly on a like protected market and blah, blah, blah. But uh, in, in practice, I don't see this like turning positively for us right now, because let's say we want to regulate this. That means that every piece of image or video or audio should be uploaded through somewhere that gives that an ID. So if you want to protect any, anything, even if it's Instagram, whatever, you should go through there because Kidmograph is being ripped from Instagram, for example. And, he, and that is being piped into, into something else. So that means that all his, all his imagery, all the, all the images that he outputs should go through a funnel. But then again, it's like, who controls that funnel? And the problem is like, it's what you see now with, with art selling is mm -hmm. if you want to sell your art at a, at a, at a good price with like in, a, in the market, there's a few houses that control that market. There are smaller ones, but there are like big right. ones that have bought all the other ones. And what you will see if it's not already happening is that those auction houses are going to get into this and they have like a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. So in the end, the freedom that we thought we had won't be a freedom anymore because there will be somebody or some some organization up like in up upwards like pulling the strings and also dictating price markets like mm -hmm. how how i mean how much this costs what's the value of this and and then again they will be the ones curating this curating what's being sold sold sorry what has value what hasn't and then again all that freedom is is gone so yeah. for me, right, I mean, and, and you can see, you can see it already right now that it's getting perverted because like a lot of people selling crypto art, except for some real artists, are people just trying to make money. And mm -hmm. it happens already in traditional art. There's a lot of people doing paintings and shit, and they're just trying to find something that, that has value for somebody to get money. It's not passion. It's not art. It's not now. Nah, it's just, I want to make money. Yeah. And all this, and so for me, I mean, there's human nature that we cannot change right now. But if if this doesn't get like kind of open sourced and and regulated by something, I don't know, it's gonna go to hell. I mean, for me, it's gonna be a nightmare. Yeah, for, I mean, for most I, of I us. think the tough. This is where I I'm I've got like, I don't know what I think at this point, but it's because, you know blockchain the whole idea of it is supposed to like decentralize everything right so like adding more filters and regulations is kind of like against blockchain <laughs> in a way right my biggest my biggest fear for us as creators in this in this current time is if I, Essentially, if you sign up for any of these sites, you upload your artwork, it gets that kind of digital signature to it. Like Mark 
uploaded this file, this date, I've got this string, this address of, you know, like of what it is, and it's now tied to me. The scary thing is if people are jumping in and doing that with other people's work, then forever that person is gonna have that work tagged to them and it's not theirs, right? So to me as a creator, that's a bit sketch. I don't know if I'm understanding that stuff right, but it's kind of like rewarding anyone who's willing to get onto this platform as fast as they can and post as much as they can. Uh Given like the cream of the crop will rise to the top, no doubt about it. But again, if, if Joe Schmo one, two, three uploads a Beeple piece and it goes crazy all these people are buying it because they don't even know who Beeple is or they don't even know that like, oh, that's his style. Oh, he posted that on Instagram a month ago. They're all going to start giving props to this dude who now technically owns that on the blockchain. To me, that's very, that's like a whole like, I don't know, oh shit moment that like all of, all of a sudden, all of the free work and all the stuff that we're posting on, people are monetizing it as theirs. And that to me is super sketch. So you're saying like, is, is if like, all right, so this new website marketplace pops up and somebody comes in and you, you want to go sign up and post your work, but there's already a Mark Cernosa up there with your work already up for sale. And it's basically like sold out. That's what you're describing, right? Well, no, it would be more like I go to post a, a, a piece of artwork that I did. And it's like, sorry, that artwork's already been tagged as someone else's. Right. Like, and that's probably down the line because they would have to somehow analyze what I'm uploading. Right. But like the fact is like that a digital signature would be attached to something that I uploaded that might not be mine. Right. And then I forever have a stake in that piece of whatever it was that I uploaded. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I mean, to date, like, uh, I used to be an administrator on DeviantArt, uh, back when they launched the Prince, uh, deviant prints thing the original form of it which was a nightmare but um, there was a handful of actual like uh, identity theft cases where people would post and sell artwork that would be available to purchase for print and you know like it would come and get mailed to you but it wasn't the original deviant that created that artwork mm-hmm. that tried to upload it and sell it and it was up to the website uh to maintain deal with those things because of an absence of any sort of thing like that. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, obviously the, the conversational broader topics of copyright are a continue, you know, like the whole thing's just messed up and needs to be redesigned. Anybody that's participated in creating art outside of elementary school could probably (laughs) would, I would safely say agrees, but you know, it, if there were to be some sort of regulatory system uh, outside of, you know, the infinite possibility of how that could work. But um, to, for right now, it just kind of seems like, yeah, there are always those bad apples and there's people doing things, but that's, you know, it's a part of the job of the people that have that website up. It's their responsibility to take, take care of legitimizing the products they're allowing to sell, but also 
guarding the integrity of the transactions for their customers. Right. Absolutely. And and Super Rare does that. Um, when you're applying to Super Rare, you have to basically create a video to verify your identity and that you are the artist creating that art. So when we're dealing with something that you were talking about, Mark, it's like that. that's that's how we do it. I mean, like I wouldn't even mind uploading my driver's license and here's my crypto wallet and that's me. And like, here's my art. You can look at my Instagram, right? Look at all of my Instagram and you can see that this is consistent style, you know, mm-hmm. of my art. I feel like these are ways we can do verification. But yeah, yeah, coming up to that is, it's, I mean, either way, somebody stealing your art sucks. And selling it and watching them yeah. get $8,000 fucking sucks. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people get yeah. so heated about, you know, someone ripping your Instagram post and resharing it without giving credit, right? It's like, now people are doing that to sell it. It's like, oh shit, right? Well, so like it's a whole different level of that. But hopefully I, I, there is that curation or that at least security level that, you know, whoever's running these sites is doing their best at this time to mitigate it. Upon first glance on that, it's just, it seems like the wild west, which that's fine. You know, it's just keeping these thoughts in our heads as these digital creators, right? Like how do you protect your work? How, I mean- this is obviously a huge topic outside of just crypto art, but um, right. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like even, uh, uh, like to even when the agencies share the same asset for a product from the same client, you know, it's like, oh, we, well, the client paid us to make this, but now we're having to send it to you. We did that work for you. You guys are going to make this thing with this thing and you guys are going to get that eight grand. We're not, you know, we just get the thank you and the look good for being the, the nice agency that sends the asset, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that sort of mentality on the emotional level of like being able to think like uh, somebody else got the eight grand for the work that you did. Right, right. Has you anyone to, had experience keep... selling on any of these platforms? Or go ahead, uh, Augustine. Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, sorry. And I just wanted to add something. And this is related not to crypto art, but also to cryptocurrency. Is that like now for people like us to mine cryptocurrency, it has become almost impossible because we don't have the resources like either in computing power, in electricity, in whatever it's like now to mine, you really have to have a huge infrastructure. So again, power goes to people with money or the means to do it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like with traditional art, when you had to estimate the value of a painting, you estimate it in multiple ways. It's like, what, like how many years ago was it painted? Is it like somebody well-known? Etc. There was a lot of criteria that defined the price and the rarity of the painting. And then, of, of course, there's offer and demand. But the thing is, with digital, you can um, trick those mechanisms of offer and demand with raw computing power, just, for example, like they do with trading, with like microtransactions, like millions of micro- microtransactions per second to buy, sell, and everything. So people with the means can rig, uh, Mm -hmm. for example, a network of bots and just buy and resell the same piece a hundred times to make its value raise, like to make it believe that it's demanded. And and you're going to see a lot of these like things happening. And in the end, it's like, and that's why I think this is going to be detrimental in the end. It's because for for us, I think for a small group of people, it's going to work because they're going to, they're renowned. And uh, they're going to get credo and then good for them. Mm-hmm. But then for the rest, 
is going to be trash. And, uh, and then you have, you will have all these other people jumping in, just trying to rig the system to make money because it's, it's computers now. And, and let's not forget that there's AI now generating images. There's a lot of shit going on that we, we have like zero control on it as us as artists, of course. Um, and I don't think much, even governments, I mean, when you see legislation and how slow it goes, we, we're not even like legislating yet on, on stuff that's like 10 years old. So mm-hmm. imagine this. So just for, for me, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be probably very soon a nightmare because bots will be able, even capable of stealing stuff, mashing it up, doing some AI crap, putting it online and then selling and trading between themselves, make the price rise. Then somebody that don't know shit and is not an expert and just is an art buyer was like, oh, wow, this must be rare. Mm-hmm. I want to invest in this and then puts the money and then you're fucked because there's not even a real human behind it. So, yeah, but I, I mean, like this is this is art, like like that's the same for like street vendors sitting on the corner in New York selling like, you know, knockoff reprints of like a bunch of small mm-hmm. paintings. And you just there's always going to be that level of like low like basically art for the masses versus collectors. This is always going to exist. And I don't, mm-hmm. I think it's just about the audience and collectors know it. No museum is going to spend $80,000 on something from an artist and then realize it's like a ripoff. They're going to do their research and know all of the things. So I think it's about education and the format as it grows. And I don't, I don't think anyone should be really worried about, I think there's gonna be a lot of low level ripoffs, right? Like mm-hmm. just like the Mo- kid MoGraph thing, whatever it's going to happen. But amongst artists, everyone's going to know like, Oh, Hey, that came from so-and-so a hey, that so-and-so's. And then there'll have to be a sort of like, I think everyone's talking about a responsibility amongst markets to recognize and realize what's happening and somehow compensate or figure that out. But uh, I-, I think art has always been about accessibility and there's always going to be reprints and knockoffs and really cheap things or whatever. And then uh, it's going to be the real high-end collectors where I think that stuff is, is not even going to be existent. Mm-hmm. And while in the, in the digital version of, of that, uh, imagine the future where you could actually get away with spending about 60 grand at a hot dog stand and buy an original piece of digital art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'll echo what James said. Like, so because at a certain point, we don't want to focus too much on like the lower level of like stealing. I think what we're most concerned about is like somebody stealing and making like thousands and thousands of dollars. I think we're going to start seeing, actually, I know what we're going to start seeing is uh, actually um, buyers, art art buyers and, and kind of gallery curators come into this space. And what they're doing is they're actually getting the big whales, people with deep pockets and saying, hey, I've got five artists that are going to start dropping stuff over the next month, you will want to check it out. And these are people with deep pockets that come in and say, Hey, I've got money to spend. What, what should I put it into? And so people are going to start curating specific artists to do that. So they're not going to drop $50,000 now on a piece from just like some arbitrary name. It's literally somebody knocking on their door and saying, Hey, there's going to be a post here. You should, you should want to bid on this. Like the people who bought Beeple's for uh, $66,000 and 66 cents. These aren't like nobody's like they were ready for that purchase. 
You know what I mean? And I think we're going to start seeing that like, in like, there's definitely going to be people who are just like uploading something every day. And like, those are what's going to probably get more ripped off. But I think if we focus on like, and like, there's going to be a percentage cut, but like, mm -hmm. I'd be willing to take, um, you know, uh, a 20 or 30% cut to, if, if, if I'm going to get, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and I can guarantee that it's being purchased by some, some gallery, some major representation here, and it's not mm -hmm. just going to be ripped off everywhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm cool to make that cut and they're guaranteeing that it's like, yeah, we got some, some big fish here that are, that are going to throw some money out. So like that is happening right now. Like there's people that saw and are seeing what's happening with the crypto art and they're like, we can make serious money off of it. We'll cut some percentage from the artist, but we'll make you tens of thousands of dollars, not like four or $5,000 here and there. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about too, is like, are these sites trying to operate as curators? Because um, like the way that I'm seeing it is like, almost like the equivalent of like a physical gallery where you have like your collection of artists and like, that's who you're promoting and that's whose work you're trying to sell. Like is Maker's Place and Nifty Gateway or any other websites that are operating in that sense, like, is it sort of operating like that? I don't know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of that, so. Yeah, I think we're going to start getting like actual galleries that it's like you buy it through them. They handle all the cryptocurrency and they just pay you dollars, you know? So it's like, that is the curation team. It's not like Nifty or any like uh, or any of these other places. It's like, they're not the ones who are curating, authenticating. It's like, there's a seller on there that's already authenticated. So if you want the authentic art, you're only buying it through them, not not anywhere else on there. Well, I think- some of those places though are like specifically only allowing certain artists right now like so that they can do the drops and that it feels like exclusive right. versus like a flood market which i think are some of the sites go ahead mm -hmm. uh, chris and then uh trevor yeah my my friend um marco just got on uh super rare like a, a couple days ago and i noticed that when he got on that they made a big announcement of like, here are the new artists this week. So it really seems like they're only like, they're being very exclusive and they're only letting in like a couple artists a week on that site versus other sites like Maker's Place is a big one that uh, I've seen is more accessible. Although all of them are like impossible to get on, you know, without at least waiting like three weeks right now, I think. Um, but I've seen, I have a lot of friends who've gotten on Maker's Place, uh, including... Paul Estevez, who's in the Slack and has been doing pretty well. I posted his link uh, above. Um, and I've had kind of some fun actually browsing some of these sites and seeing like, oh, I wonder like who bought Paul's stuff. Oh, it's like some of these same people like also collected like Adam Swab stuff and like Scott Eaton, who's this like really cool um, machine learning art um, guy uh, from uh, MIT. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of like an interesting way to explore. And I think going back to what uh, James was saying a minute ago, it's really interesting. Um, I'm really interested in learning about like, how are these collectors making these decisions and like who is educating them or how are they educating themselves? Because I can see that there are some who don't appear to be artists themselves. And, you know, really it seems like the artists in this community are the ones who are the most educated about, you know, who's who and, what you know should be more valuable like what 
work they deem it to be good, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, I'm sure, like a bunch of, you know, people who are just like idiots with a bunch of Ethereum lying around who are going to just like kind of buy whatever that they think seems cool and maybe don't have very good taste. Give me some um, Ethereum. Come on, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, one, one other thing that kind of helped give me context around all this stuff is a lot of people have been comparing it to like sort of like trading cards and stuff, which makes sense, um, I think, as a comparison. Um, but you can also really just think of it as like a direct extension of the art market into digital now when you consider like, you know, I mean, it, it seems like this very complicated thing, but when you break it down, really, like you think about like the blockchain is just like a technology that allows for like rarity of digital things, which is what allowed for there to be you no know, cryptocurrency since that needs to be, you know, finite for it to sort of work. And then you can figure out like what other things could you apply blockchain to and it makes sense that you would want to apply it to digital art since that's historically been something that couldn't really you know make it into the mainstream sort of like art world space mm -hmm. and now it's just sort of allowing it to sort of extend into that um but at the same time so so like when i was first getting into it i, I was like i don't understand the appeal at all of who would want to buy this stuff or whatever and now i sort of see the appeal i don't think it's really worth it for my bank account but uh you know i think it's interesting the idea of like being like oh i could collect one of my friends pieces who i think is really talented and is going to end up being really successful and maybe it'll be worth you know way more down the line and i'm actually starting to get a little bit more confident that um this isn't just going to be a fad for a month and, and that it will actually sort of stick around you know maybe not at the same level of popularity or maybe it'll kind of go up and down with the market um but yeah i think that's sort of i'm interested in seeing like how all these sites deal with these huge waves of people wanting to get confirmed and, you know, mm -hmm. where kind of people go and, and how all that works um, as well as uh, you know, how these collectors sort of evolve and, and how they are educating themselves and, you know, like how that whole sort of market is working. Yeah. Um, it's all very interesting. Trevor, why don't you hop in? Uh, I know you wanted to say something. Yeah. Uh, this is my first time in. So let me know if you can't hear me. Um, thank you. Yeah, I was I was kind of going to bounce off what Tokyo said with seeing it as an extension of the art world and also kind of extension of marketplace, because like you said, like if somebody puts together like a three second gif and throws it up there and people want to buy it, that's kind of how the regular art world works now. You know, you get amateurs who want to do that and then you get really passionate people who uh, go on to make these vast artworks and spend a lot of time on it. And I think it's going to kind of work just like the art marketplace does now. And right now we're at the very beginning, but I can see it going from, you know, super rare. It's, it's pretty new, but I could see certain sites being sites for those artists who just want to pump out stuff very quickly. And then sites like super rare, are very much more closed off. Like there's a high price art auctions now and low price art auctions. And I think the, digital world is going to reflect that to an extent and with i know you said um kind of restrictions on cryptocurrency kind of goes against it in a sense but i think at the same time that's how a market evolves through that and that's how people get security within that market so i think the same way that we're seeing that blow up of kind of like our digital art markets we're going to see that kind of regulation that for security for the people within those communities and that's going to be another big boom of 
you know, because there's so many different cryptocurrencies too that require so much verification that right. people are going to choose based on that also. And that's going to also create markets within sub markets. Mm -hmm. And same way it's going to expand like the regular art market has now where there's like pastels, there's all these different forms of art and they sell on different kind of ways right. and different skills it takes to not really skills, but different avenues that people go through to really profit off that art or really um, sell that art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Thanks for hopping in. Yeah. Go ahead, James. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately what we're also talking about is, you know, maybe not a lot of people are part of the art world itself and understand how like galleries work and, you know, all of these galleries and, you know, even if you're going to talk about museums, all have people who are actively looking at top talent and trends and trying to guess who the next big artist is going to be and who's going to be worth money and, you know, what's collectible and what is worth investing in. And so I think there's all of those things as, you know, you know, normal artists that aren't a part of that market, you kind of have to start following that. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to trend up and you want to sell, you know, on these markets, you just have to treat it the same way where you're reaching out to different collectors and museums and you're representing yourself on different formats and platforms and building yourself up as an artist that is, you know, to collect, you know, or, or is mm -hmm. catching the eyes of collectors like that. So I think it's a bit of a different shift in mindset of how those types of collectors are looking at things and what they're looking at and how they're looking at trends. And so they might've not known who people is, but they could also realize that he's, you know, if you looked at anything MoGraph the past like five years, you know, people's names attached to most conferences or big talking events or, you know, so, so it's those kind of things of like, you know, there's this curve of like getting popularity through, you know, building your work up. That's apart from just like worrying about the, lower end stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, if you're a serious collector, you're paying attention to, you know, you can see the transaction, the bid list. If all, all of a sudden there's all this action happening, people are bidding it up. Like, obviously there's something behind that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if you've never seen, this is for everyone to check out. If you've never seen the documentary called the price of everything, it's uh, definitely worth watching. Uh, it was on HBO about a year ago, I don't, I'm not sure where it lives now, but um, it's about kind of the high-end art world and galleries and all the uh, kind of um, collectors and all that. It's, it's amazing. Um, definitely check that out. But the one thing I want to say too is um, today I signed up for that, uh, for what is it, Rarible? I signed up, I posted something, there you go, it's out it's not super easy just to like go in, you hit like post and post, like there's definitely steps. You need to set up your, you know, your Ethereum wallet, you have to do it. So if you're not really too privy on crypto yet, like I think there's also a bunch of hurdles just to even post your shit, you know? So I, it's an interesting crossroads right now. I think it's super early for content creators and also super early for buyers. I just still can't get out of my brain sphere, whatever, like 
to spend X number of dollars on a digital piece that sits on a hard drive. Maybe you put it on a TV. Like I, I just don't know where that, you know, quote unquote art would necessarily ever live. You know, like you go to a gallery, you go to whatever, you get a tangible piece of art that you put on the wall, you put it in a portfolio or you do something, you buy this digital piece of art, where does it live? Does it even really matter? Probably not because there's obviously tons of beautiful artwork that sits in a closet, you know, but I'm just really like interested to know if, you know, why you'd go out and buy this stuff. And I, I totally get, uh, I think Patrick made a great point in the chat that he does all these Patreons, but this is also another way to support artists that he likes. So totally get that. I'm just curious to know of anyone out there who has bought this crypto art, uh, you know, was it to support the artist? Was it because you love the piece? If you love the piece, where does that live? Do you have a vision of how you might use that in the future? Just open discussion. I think the idea mostly behind it is just that uh, anything that you buy is going to theoretically be worth more later. Um, like it's really the same as the art market, more or less. Um, if you want to just like collect pieces, you, you can do that, but you really have to be I mean, it seems like you really have to be pretty wealthy and like crypto savvy to do that. So I'm assuming that most of these buyers are, you know, not artists themselves and are, are mainly or maybe they are. But they're also, you know, people who have like hit it big on, you know, cryptocurrency for whatever reason. Um, so, uh, you know, I, like I was saying before, I can sort of see the value of like uh, my buddy Rich Lord just went um he just dropped a bunch of stuff on maker's place. And I think his stuff is amazing. It's already selling for like a few hundred bucks, but like, you know, if I could buy his, one of his pieces for like, maybe like a hundred bucks, like I would consider doing that just because I think his stuff is awesome. But like, you know, it, that's already like well below like what it's going for. And he like just dropped his first pieces. So, I mean, in, in theory, it may be worth uh, more money later. And, and the cool thing about that too, is that, you know, I think with most of these places, because it's like set up um, using the blockchain, it always links back to the original artist or whatever. So anytime a transaction happens, they get like some percentage of it. Like I think people right. gets like 10% of any future sales. So in theory, if it is worth way more later, it's not like you missed out by selling it for a thousand bucks now. Like if it sells for a million bucks down the line, because you're still going to get some cut of that depending on um, the deal that you make with whatever marketplace or I don't, I don't know how exactly it works, but mm -hmm. to me, I think that's kind of a cool part of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to chime in again on, um, kind of, you know, seeing how people buy it. And I think it's going to go where, how we have modern art where they have private art auctions and we might see that where they list names. And so the digital artwork is a lot less likely to be just right click, save, um, mm -hmm. and if it's expanded in that sense, then, you know, everything's more digital TVs are more accessible, less expensive. And I can see if it going that way, kind of making it so it's more tangible in a sense that you can buy that artwork, um, privately within those private auctions. And when you hang that artwork, you can display it on whatever you want. And it kind of has that tangible sense about it. Um, and because it was in a private show, 
it really is like you're really kind of the only ones who has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, since we've got um, some people on the call today, I, I would love to pick um, both James and Dave Brodeur's head or mind because I know you guys are on the uh, Avant Form gallery and like curious to know are there similarities is that more commercial is is crypto art more personal like i'd be curious to hear your two cents on that um i think they're different i mean i just did the avant form just because like joey's a friend i don't sell shit (laughs) no no one buys my stuff no one wants that's for commercial um so so like no i don't think i i've sold anything honestly i don't even i haven't even checked my account maybe i sold a bunch but um because i'd never even set up payment like it was literally like i just jumped on there because I knew like he wanted like a, a bunch of like artists like initially and, and I wanted to like just support that. Yeah. Um, but I never even set it up to like my bank account. So <laughs> it, the money would just be sitting there and I, I'm cool with that. Uh, but no, I, I mean, it, it's different because there's like terms of use and, and ownership and, and different price points depending on use. It's almost like, um, you know, like, like stock audio stuff, you know, right. it's, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. How many people would look at it? What kind of, um, how you're able to share it and what platforms you're able to share it on. So it, it, it is different than I, than I think this, I don't know, James, you might've done more, uh, <laughs> more research and homework into it, but that's all I got. No, I mean, basically like that was like, I just, jumped on because joey asked me to and um i i think it's something that i didn't invest a lot of time in i think that again this is something like if you want to do passive income as an artist it's something that you really have to devote your like a lot of time and resource and energy into building out you know what is selling then you know like oh i realized that you know five second video loops are selling so you need to market towards Mm -hmm. that and build it i basically kind of took some of my artwork that I had that he had liked and up them to nice, like, you know, 4k quality for downloads and licensing. But I think he basically kind of admitted that the first year was a beta test run and they didn't do well at all. And they kind of realized that it was like the licensing prices for everything was way too high. Mm. So what they did was he slashed because, you know, as you add an art piece, you know, it kind of, does suggestive pricing for you. So like if you're doing editorial or you're doing print or whatever, it, it has prices that they suggest are the market value. And so what they did was slice everything down for everybody. And then if you had custom pricing, you can still custom price stuff. But I haven't talked to anybody who has work on there that is like using it well. I don't know what if there are certain artists like who are doing really well or who specifically is going there to buy what kind of stuff i yeah. thought that maybe that's something that he would share with like the artists who are on there be like hey guys just let you know like uh stills that are you know pastel colors are selling hot you know for the past couple months you know and you could gear towards that but i haven't seen any statistics related to it and i've also seen like zero interest on it at all so hmm. but as an artist like i've i've didn't dedicate a lot of my personal time as investing in that as a platform for me. But I just, I was interested in it because I do have a lot of people who come to me through Instagram or Twitter and say like, Hey, you know, I want 
I'm a hip hop artist and I want an album cover or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought it could just be a way of like putting stuff on there and be like, Hey, if you want something, you can license it and then it's gone and you can only, you're the only one who can use it. But it, it really hasn't turned out to be something that I can use it for like that. So, Hmm. um, yeah, yeah so I've I, used I, it just as a way to filter those, like the musicians <laughs> asking for our album artwork. Cause it's like, I know you can't afford it. So I'll just send you this link and then you can go to this link and not buy it anyway. But like, yeah. at least it ends the conversation right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, that's pretty much where I think we're kind of on the same wavelength there. But what I like is I like all these things looking at motion design and what we do as a fine art and an art form within itself and not just something that's commercial based. So like, mm-hmm. I want to support every single one of these things always, you know, and that's why I'm like, this, this crypto art thing is gold. It's like, what can we do that we can be seen as artists and not always just have to be working for clients? Mm-hmm. That's what, the, and, and eventually we'll get there. We're so young. I mean, think about it. Like right. uh, a school of motion, Joey uh, Kornman did a, like a, a, like a, what, what do you, whatever you call it. He, he got a bunch of information. I think the average studio owner for motion design was like 40. You know what I mean? Like it's such a young, young industry we're in. The art form is super young. I mean, like I graduated in 2010. I like, I think I was like one of the end cutoffs where like it didn't have a name yet still what we do, you know, like you couldn't go, like you couldn't open a pamphlet and like find motion design and be like, I'll major in that. Like there was no name for it. Like we all kind of backed our way into here. Like we were in film or design or whatever major you were in. And then we discovered motion design just based on passion. So like, this is all new and fresh, but I think the closer we get to being seen as an actual art form, we're actually going to find that we have a ton of power as artists. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, it's interesting too, because, you know, over the years you see so many people doing gumroad stuff to sell residual things. And then you start a Patreon and this crypto art almost feels like the next iteration of that, right. Of being able to put something up that has a lifespan of more than, 48 hours or whatever it is, you know, and could become a collectible. I mean, that's also the beauty of art, right? Like every art is what the beholder makes of it. You know, like what it means to me is going to mean something different to Tori or something different to Matt. Like, so that's the beauty of art. And I think we're kind of at this early phase where, if we are somewhat of the like most educated people in this space per se at this current moment as artists, I think we also have that bit of responsibility to make sure we help guide whatever curators or whatever galleries or whatever, whatever's kind of coming behind it. If it's led as like, kind of like creator first, essentially, rather than like money first, I think we'll be in a good spot. But if it is a straight up like cash grab for anyone right now, you know, um, I think that's where it could become a slip, slippery slope relatively quick, you know? Um, and you just fill those galleries full of shit. I'm happy to hear there's, uh, there are some of those sites like, you know, tapping artists on the shoulder saying, all right, hey, we want you to be part of this. And I think that's where you're going to really start I guess, setting the bar, you know, if, if all the, if, you know, the top three sites are all very highly curated, great work, 
um, exposing new artists that you might not have heard of with artists that you do know. Like, I think it's, it really does come down to um, making sure however this is brought to fruition that the creators are kind of like seen as we need to take care of them rather than the buyer. I don't know. Maybe that's naive of me to say or think, but you know, you see what's happened in the fine art world and how, you know, um, I don't know, certain artists can sell a piece for a million dollars and get 20 grand because the gallery took all the profits and they're taking full advantage of the artists. So we're at the point where if we can be involved and make sure that doesn't happen or do our best to make sure that artists are well represented in this space, then I think we're onto something that could definitely last for a long time. Well, I, I think we're also always going to continuously have the argument of like what that perceived value is too, right? It's like the whole right. like art basil, like banana on the wall, like thing where <laughs> right. everyone's like, what the fuck? I can, you know, put a banana on the wall and make 120,000. It's like, no, no, it's because it was all this blah, 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 blah. And so yeah. there's always going to be that. I, I'm going to find that debate interesting in, in MoGraph where it's like, why would you pay like, you know, all of that for like, you know, a model that somebody bought off turbo squid and rendered chrome you know it's like what what is that like difference between that and somebody's like oh no well actually like that person sculpted that and took all the time and it's like this like you know thing and somebody could really like that or you know it's like it's like at a tattoo shop how there's artists tattoo artists who make yeah. really great things and people will walk in and pick the you know flash art that's on the wall it's like oh, i just want that rose with mom on it or whatever you know it's like so <laughs> it's all there's always going to be that line of like where the threshold is amongst not only as artists who we're promoting to the top, but also as like what collectors really find interesting and want to collect. So mm -hmm. I think that is always going to be uh, an interesting debate too. Yeah. I promise you like a year from now or something that the most successful, like highest sold piece on one of these sites is going to be like, like an MS paint drawing by David O'Reilly or something like that. <laughs> like guarantee you it's just going to be like some meme or something. Like the, like the, you know, the banana on the wall thing. I did see on one of the sites, people sell memes. So think, you know, like, hmm. Okay. There you go, George. There you go, George. <laughs> uh, well, all right. We're past the hour mark. I think this was a super interesting discussion again this week. Like, I would love to come back and revisit this in a few months once, you know, more of these drops happen, maybe more of... Uh, our community gets involved and see like how things play out. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'll leave you with this too. One thing that I found super interesting today is the fact that it is based on Ethereum and the crazy fluctuations of Ethereum price and, and whatnot. Like, okay, understand that the dollar, yeah, fluctuates, but like, the amount of swings that this thing can take, you know, you could buy Beeple's thing for $66,000 and next week it could fall off a cliff and be worth 20,000. Sure. It happens in real art world too. No, you know, but like there's so much volatility in the crypto market that like, that's also, you know, definitely something to keep your eye on and be aware of if you get into this space, you know, if, if you get 20 Ethereum for your piece, cash that thing out <laughs> either. I would say cash it out ASAP or I don't know, you know, play gamble with it. But 
who knows? So uh, that's an interesting side of this too. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to say uh, I appreciate everyone joining in on this conversation and, and giving your thoughts and opinions on it. Um, and let's do this again. Um, really excited that we have uh, quite a few new uh, people joining the meeting this week. And um, if you guys have any guys and girls um, and uh, I'll just say people, right? People, all you people, if you have any, uh, any, uh, Questions, comments, feedback, whatever, uh, info at mondaymeeting.org is how you can reach us. Or you could hit us up on any of the social channels by just starting at Monday meeting and it'll populate. I don't know what the actual handle is. So you'll find us. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us this week. I will say I apologize for not posting last week's episode or last week's meeting yet. Uh, I will get around to that with this recording as well. But until next week, thank you for joining and we'll see you soon. Bye.